ironoverload.io presents Iron Overload No Bullshit Podcast with your co-host Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the UG info like you've never heard before. No bullshit, no lies, straight hardcore truth. A bodybuilding podcast like you never heard before. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, IronOverload.io Hardcore Episode 31. Steve and the Mobster joining me in this one, a very important podcast coming your way. We're going to talk about IIFYM principles, talk about macros, all that good stuff. And, you know, this is a very important podcast. Uh, nutrition is something not talked about enough in the fitness industry. And the reason we don't talk about it much is because a lot of the guys simply don't understand nutrition. A lot of your favorite bodybuilders out there, a lot of your favorites on social media, they just don't understand nutrition truly. And they basically can get away with dartboard dieting. They can get away with just winging it with their diet because no matter what they do, it's going to work because they have tremendous genetics as it is. But there, there's things happening inside their body that they're not aware of and that they're, they're, they're going to be ignorant about. And that's going to kind of come back and bite them. So in this, we're going to go over all this. So I wanted to start a little bit with explaining what IIFYM is. Now, a lot of you may have heard of it. It stands for if it fits your macros. And, and basically what it means is, in layman's terms, is you can eat whatever you want as long as it fits this, you know, at, at the end of the day, you're getting this many calories, you're getting this much fat, this much carbs, this much protein, and it fits in to what your goals were for the day. And I can explain it kind of like Weight Watchers. Um, that's what Weight Watchers is. Weight Watchers is sort of like if it fits your macros. Um, and so with Weight Watchers, you have points. So you can eat junk food throughout the day and you add up your points. And at the end of the day, your objective is to be at a certain point. And then over time, you're supposed to lose weight. But the thing is, Weight Watchers, 99% of the people who use Weight Watchers, it doesn't work. And, um, you know, I'm going to explain this in this podcast, what it's all about, but that's what's I, I, that, that, that's what it is, but where did it come from? And Momster and I have a couple theories on it. And one of the big places that it came from is fast food companies and the restaurant industry and the food industry, which is extremely huge and extremely powerful. We all know someone who might work directly or indirectly for a food company. Maybe they work at a restaurant. Maybe they work for, maybe they own a franchise. Maybe they, you know, work in a factory that packages products. Maybe they work in a grocery store that sells food. So we're all interconnected. Obviously. It's huge yeah. in yeah, both I our countries. Day, Steve. Sorry, yeah. Steve, I used to back in the day. I used to Absolutely. Factory processing the meat for, to turn into sausages. And they were made to a price. So, yeah, back to you. And I mean, I used to work for a retail company and we sold products and packages we sold products out of freezers so it, it's all intertwined it's a huge economy so they've done a really good job of marketing that it's okay to eat our junky food as long as it fits your macros at the end of the day so if you're trying to get 4,000 calories for the day or 2,000 calories for the day or 1,200 calories for the day whatever you can eat our crappy food and still have 200 calories left over for the day to eat something else so 
they've done a good job of pushing that. That's one reason. I also believe that a lot of this started in the fitness industry, in the bodybuilding industry, because of what I said earlier, dartboard dieting. A lot of these guys, and I've interviewed them, they've said, yeah, I competed. I was on stage and I would eat McDonald's. I would eat a lot of crappy food and get away with it. And, uh, you know, the problem is now they all have gut problems. So, and then also you've got skinny guys in our industry who basically they've always eaten whatever they wanted, pizza and, and burgers and all this shit, fast food and all this crap, and they get away with it. And it's because they're skinny, so they can get away with it. But if you're overweight and you're eating crap, it's hard to lose weight and keep it off long term with a crappy diet. So you have to factor in all these things, you know, where it's kind of derived from. So mops are really quick, you know, where, how about over there in England? Where do you think it, it derived from? Did it derive from Americans kind of spreading it over there or what? I think there's a certain argument uh, in terms of the simplicity and the ease to which we can get fast food. It's even worse nasty with companies that deliver to your door for five bucks. Uh, Uber will do deliveries. Deliveroo does deliveries. There's a bunch of companies. But one of the things you just said was, and this we, we talked about this in a pre-show. Steve and I remember when this started to become a thing on, on the, uh, all kinds of forums associated with bodybuilding and weightlifting a few years ago. Uh, and it was exactly what Steve just said. I can think of one specific individual whose name escapes me. It's a long time ago, but he had a set of abs all the time. He was able to uh, be somewhat eloquent in terms of being descriptive, etc., online. So, and he would he would word things in such a way that kind of made sense if you wanted what he was saying to be true. So what, what you would find is on forms exactly like Steve said, you'd have some skinny slash uh, lean, genetically lean, fast metabolism person saying, do you know what? I can eat this kind of crap. And he was worded in such a way that you felt that you could do the same. So the problem is, Steve, he's not like a preacher on the mound. He's not out there sort of, you know, praise the Lord, etc. What he's essentially saying is that if you don't want to, if you think he's talking shit, you're not going to listen to him. But if you wanted it to be true, then you're going to listen to him. And if he's vaguely intelligent and he can word things properly, then not only do you want to listen to him, it kind of sounds true. But the problem is, of course, as you and I are going to get into, it kind of isn't. And again, you if you haven't got his genetics, you don't know what his lifestyle is like. You don't know that he might be pounding the pavements and doing a million hours of cardio a year or whatever else. You've got no idea what he just says. I'm eating this crap and it looks good and I'm having mayonnaise and and sauces on my fries and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. Look, if they can do it, I can do it. If it fits your macros. And it became almost like a mantra thing because people wanted it to be true, but unfortunately was not. And this went on for, I'm going to say two, three years that we saw it. The problem is, of course, now, and the reason why we're talking about this podcast, is there are still going to be young people out there who can't cook, won't cook, want fast food to be as accessible as it is and cheap as it is relative to everything else. And they and they want it still to be true. And they'll, they'll, they'll do a little tiny bit of research. They'll come across this principle, this, this tenet, and they'll go, oh, well, that sounds exactly like the thing I'm looking for. And almost in a way, it comes down to kind of laziness. So we're going to get into the reasons why it's no good, what you should really be doing, how it actually affects you, et cetera. Yeah, back to you, Steve. So for, for first off here, when it comes to if it fits your macros, 
you know, just because someone's skinny and they eat whatever they want doesn't make them healthy. If you go to parts of your city, parts of your town, and you go, you know, under the overpass and you see it's really sad. You see homeless people. All they do is drink beer and drink alcohol and they'll eat fast food. And, you know, and people will give them, you know, a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there. So that's that's pretty much their diet. And they're skinny and they're skinny. So the misunderstanding is people think just because someone's skinny, they're healthy. But these people, if you, you talk to them, they're like 35 years old, 40 years old, but they look like they're 60 or 70 years old. So jump in for one yeah. second, Steve. For one second, they've actually tested people like that, and they might even weigh what they're supposed to weigh, but they're actually suffering from malnutrition. And we could talk about vitamin C, vitamin D deficiencies, etc. They their food is so inefficient that they, they they they've got bad skin, bad hair, bad eyes multiple medical conditions, some drug and alcohol related, but a lot of this actual proper full-on malnutrition for exactly the reasons that Steve's talking about. Thank you, Steve. So let's start with why that is. And you have to remember in our bodies, our bodies are a machine. So if you put trash in your body, you're going to stress it out. If you put good, nutritious, single-ingredient foods in your body, you're not going to stress it out very much at all. Does that make sense? So I've talked about this before. You eat a pizza. How many ingredients do you think is in that pizza dough? 50, 60? How many ingredients are in that cheese on that pizza? 30 or 40? It's not just 100% cheese. Oh, no. Because these fast food companies, they can't make a profit if they sell actual cheese on the pizza. Like actual raw cheese? Give me a break. That's not going to happen. The pizza would cost $500. If they did that, the sauce, 50, 60 ingredients, the toppings that whatever you put on it, the toppings, another 30, 40 ingredients. You think it's you think it's just 100 percent. But in the all process, because it's got to sit on the shelf in the fast food place and just get warmed up on the thing and not have not spoiling, because if it spoils, the restaurant will lose money, you see. So if you're putting something in your body with that many things in it. Your body's got to figure out how to process that. It's got to do a lot of work to process that. A burger, if you go to a fast food joint, that burger has tons of ingredients. The bread has tons of ingredients. The burger itself, you think it's 100% beef? Hell no. And even if it was, it's the cheapest beef you could possibly put. It's so processed and frozen and, and all this stuff. And the way it's prepped is horrible for you because they prep it in refined oils. I mean, it's just so bad. So it hits your body and your body just flips out and your body goes into a craziness and it stresses itself out. That's why you, when you eat junky food like pizza or a burger from a fast food joint or greasy food or any of this crappy food, you feel like shit afterwards. Have you ever tried eating that and then going and working out? Your workouts suffer because your body is under so much stress just from that food you're eating that when you go work out and put more stress on it, now your body freaks out. A lot of times you'll get sick during your workout. You'll throw up during your workout. You'll have to go to the bathroom and have diarrhea because your body wants to evacuate all that crappy food you put in it, you see? So that's one. That's the first reason why it's stupid to eat crappy food because it makes your body have to do a shit ton of work and it hurts your workouts, and it hurts your body. Because now your body has to take resources that it would normally use on other things like 
healing and repairing itself from a workout. For example, let's say after your workout, mobster, you have a really good workout and you go eat crap. I see people do this all the time. Why would you do that? You're making it hard on your body to repair and get stronger after a workout by throwing crap at it. You're making it harder on your body. And that's no necessary. The best thing you can do after a workout is take some time, hydrate maybe a little bit, and then wait. Once the heart rate comes down, eat a good, nutritious meal that doesn't stress your body. But if you throw shitty food at your body, you're not gonna, you're going to make it harder for your body to repair and recover after that brutal workout you just put it through. So, yes, it will harm your body, it won't help your body. Let me jump in here for a second, Steve. Guys, think about this in this particular way. And we've used this analogy in a previous podcast or two. Imagine yourself trying to become an amazing high-end supercar, a hypercar. Hypercars can drive on poor petrol, low-grade petrol, but they won't go as fast. And it's going to cost you $10,000 to get the engine fixed. You're trying to become a weightlifting, bodybuilding, lean, mean sex machine. Okay, you want to be absolutely amazing. So if you put poor fuel in, why do you expect an optimal response? Why do you think, for example, if you're a runner and you ate crap, you're not going to break records in a marathon. You're not going to break records in a half marathon. If you're a weightlifter, you're not going to push those crazy weights overhead. If you're not, for example, even just simply putting in enough calories, and if you're a bodybuilder, why do you expect to get crazy lean? Now, an example that I've used before, and this is, sorry, go back just for the sports car thing for a second. So they put the high octane stuff in there, and some of them have a difference of three, four, five hundred horsepower between the low octane fuel, the low grade stuff, and the high grade stuff, the specialized fuels that they're supposed to use. And again, you're putting a lot more wear and tear on it. So like Steve says, not only does the engine have to work harder, that's you, the engine, to get to that speed if you're lucky, but the wear and tear is worse. So it's doing a lot more work just to do, produce the same result that it was doing before with a much better fuel with the right oils going through it. The other analogy which I've used in the past is thus, and Steve's quite correct that there are some athletes, I would actually say that they're not the top ones, Steve, but there have been a handful. We are aware of who they are. But I've used this analogy before. Dexter Jackson was asked some years ago, about if it fits your macros. Now, he's called the blade, and he's called a blade because he was a lightweight and then a middleweight, and finally, at the end of his career, when he was kicking ass, a heavyweight uh, athlete, but he was always, always, always in condition. Now, that's not to say that he never got beaten, but he was always in condition, Steve. And he said thus, he says, if I have the genetics to be in great condition all the time, sometimes amazing Olympia winning condition, or the Arnold Classic winning condition, why is it that I don't eat crap? Why is it that I, and if you go and look at the other bodybuilders, we can argue the toss here and there, but they're all having lean cuts of meat. There's plenty of videos out there for you guys to look at. So you go, this person who's got the greatest genetics, this group of people, the greatest genetics on the planet, and they have to eat clean. And one of the things that's happened in the past where they haven't eaten clean or even when they've just changed their diet. I'll give you an example again, Steve. They actually, a lot of the guys now bring their food to the hotel for the Mystery Olympia. Because how many times, and this is just a thing to do with PEDs as well, but how many times have we seen people end up with upset stomachs or issues with diarrhea or just 
becoming ill literally the day of the competition. And as often as that is, it's because they've gone to a place, they've taken food that they was hoping it was as good as the stuff that they're normally using, but it hasn't proved to be the same. They don't know, for example, you can go to places that where, where the chicken breasts have been inflated with water, but they've also added a, a small amount of salt. Now, you're a top professional bodybuilder. You need your chicken breast. It's all skinless. You're cooking it, but you don't know how much sodium's in there because it's not being properly declared or it's under something else or it's different from the chicken breast that you normally use. And it's just stuff like that. So what we do is that we go, there are some things we can learn from top professional bodybuilders. It might not be the genetics, but if they have to eat clean and they have the best genetics in the world, you will get your best results if your diet is as clean and as tidy and as optimal as it needs to be. And I think that's a key word here, Steve, being optimal. Because if you want half-assed results, do half-assed things. Half-assed training, half-assed nutrition. But if you want the best results, and a good example here, Steve, because we do podcasts and PDs, don't spend $1,000 on a cycle and then eat $10 food. Spend $1,000 on a cycle and eat $1,000 food. And guess what, guys? the results from your cycle will be that much better. You want to get lean, you'll be crazy lean compared to half lean. You want to drop a few percentage body fat, it'll be 5 or 6% instead of 2 or 3%. You want to get strong, there'll be more weight on the damn bar because you did exactly what you're supposed to do as properly as you're supposed to do. If you do it half assed if you think you can get away with eating junk food and becoming a world-class athlete, you're wrong. We know, Steve knows, talks about, Pro ball, soccer. These guys need to have a career on the field for as long as possible, assuming they don't get any injuries. And their nutrition, those guys that last the longest have great nutrition, optimal recovery from nutrition policies that they put into place. Some of them are being given drinks to have as soon as they come off the field. They got meal prep companies getting their food ready for them so that literally. They go to the, to, to the changing room, they shower, they change the sit down, and there's a meal in the card as they're driven away from the ground. That's how they work. And yet again, they have the best genetics for what they're doing, and they are the highest paid people on the planet. Some of them, Steve knows, personal chefs. And again, you see these personal chefs, it's all fresh, clean, tidy ingredients. Back to you, Steve. Yeah, organic and all that good stuff. The personal oh, yeah. chefs know... They do. Yeah. The players that don't eat good, they flame out so quick. They peak their career and then they flame out and they wonder wh what went wrong. So they know. They know exactly what I'm saying. Look, at the bottom line is the gut is the king. A lot of people out there, if you've got gut problems, you've got constipation, you need an enzyme to digest your food, then you need to really look at the foods you're eating in the first place. You know, you need to repair your gut. Your gut is very important. 70% of your immune system is your gut. So if you've got a poor gut, you've got a poor immune system. You follow IFYM, you eat all this shit food. If it fits your macros, guess what? You've got a bad immune system. That means you're going to be sick more than you should be. That means that you're going to open yourself to other diseases as you age. Cancer, for example. What is cancer? Cancer it is an immune system deficiency, and that's how cancer cells form. And then your good cells in your body that you want, what do you think your muscles are made up? They're made up of cells. The better the cells in the body, the better your muscles are going to be. The easier it's going to be to put on muscle, the easier it's going to be to keep muscle, right? You recycle in your body 
a lot of a lot of cells all the time that makes your body stronger right white blood cells red blood cells all those it's, it's tons of cells you've got microorganisms in your body 100 trillion of them just in your gut 3000 bacterial species you eat crappy food it's going to affect that it's going to throw it off in your gut so that's why you see a lot of people who eat poorly and they're skinny you know, and um, you see them, they look so much older than they are. You know, they're, they have wrinkles on their face. They always have gut issues. They're always in the bathroom. They're always having constipation. They always have to take medication. Um, they always have to take some type of medication to help them with their gut. Like they have, they have uh, how about heartburn? Are you someone who has heartburn all the time? Then, that, then it starts in your gut. You're, the foods you're putting in your body are shit. You really have to clean that up repair your gut obviously you're not following the type of diet that you should be following and listen to your body on this nobody needs a drug just to help them with their gut nobody unless you have some sort of underlying medical issue or something otherwise you know you don't need it um you shouldn't be taking a drug i mean we've got uh they have if you walk into any retail store or any drugstore in america now mops or you have a whole shelf you have a whole aisle just dedicated to gut health, to, to drugs to take for your gut because you have something wrong with your gut. And look, at the end of the day, it's the food you're putting in your body. That's the issue, you know? So fix it, you know? So let's go to the next thing, moderation. You hear about moderation a lot. People say, oh, you know, you should eat in moderation, yada, yada, yada. But here's the truth. And, um, you know, there are certain things you can eat in moderation, okay? Let's say raw maple syrup, raw honey. That's something you should eat in moderation, you know? That's found in nature, right? So if you go, your ancestors, you know, they went out in the woods, monster, and they, they looked for honey and they found honey. They were lucky enough to find honey. Now you got to get that honey away from the bees, right? Without getting basically stung to death, right? So it's not easy. So if you're lucky, you could maybe stick a stick in there and get some honey on the stick and be able to lick the stick and get some honey. But if you think you're going to be able to go in there and just grab all the honey from the bees, you got another thing coming. You know, so that's an example of something in moderation. Nuts. That's another thing. Raw nuts in moderation because it's hard to crack a nut open without tools to crack that nut open. And your ancestors didn't have access to these sophisticated tools that we have today where we can crack a nut, nut open with a nutcracker, right? So, but now, you know, you're seeing, you know, food companies and fast food companies, restaurants, they want you to think, oh, yeah, eat our crappy food in moderation, you'll be okay, because it's going to fit your macros. But the, the bottom line is those foods should be avoided completely. Go look in your pantry, the cereal, the boxed foods, the things in your freezer, the ice creams, the boxed uh, meals that are in your freezer. Those things, if you look at what's actually in them, it's all processed junk. None of that belongs in the body, not, not even in moderation. That's stuff you should be avoiding 100%. The things you should eat in moderation, like I said, the raw honey, the raw maple syrup, the raw nuts, even you know some fruits like bananas and stuff, those are things to eat in moderation. But you don't eat you don't eat uh, a, a freaking like pizza in moderation. Oh, that's in moderation. I just have it a couple times a week. No, you shouldn't have it at all. I don't eat any of that shit. You know, 
like I said, it's going to destroy your gut in the process, and it's only going to hurt your gains. So I'm also talk a little bit about that, the whole moderation thing. I mean, here's the thing, Stephen. I've, I've, I've done this as actually as a trick back in the day. So one of the tricks, and I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast uh, we've just recorded recently. I said one of my tricks back in the day when I was competing uh, the most, which I believe in my case was four times in a year, one of my tricks was they would only have good food in the house. And this would be food that I would have to cook uh, myself. Uh, I wasn't getting any fast food delivered. And in fact, if I wanted any kind of junk food or fast food, I had to get off my ass and go and get it. So then it come down to, did I really want to go and get it if I was feeling lazy, if I was recovering from a workout, whatever, if I was resting? Did I really want to go to the supermarket? Did I really want to go to the fast food place and go and get it? Because I don't drive and I, I wasn't, I'm too cheap to pay for the delivery. Uh, and did I really want it that badly? Or could I make myself have something healthy? Something else, Steve, which is important here. I just finished a biography about Lance Armstrong, and Lance Armstrong at some point had cancer. And one of the key things he felt that helped him with his recovery, as well as the fantastic medical care that he was getting, and, and, and this included of the chemotherapy, et cetera, et cetera, as he changed a great deal of his diet to ingredients and, and foods that were helping him recover from cancer. Now, you've got to remember, when he recovered from cancer, he went on to win the Tour de France, and he was not a Tour de France winning type athlete before. So not only did he beat cancer, but he also went on to win a race that he wasn't supposed to win. So that was a kick in the teeth for the people that were sort of mucking him around in terms of sponsorship and whatever else. But it proved that his approach changed after cancer, not just nutritionally during the recovery, but after. It became a much more important thing for him. Something else that I've mentioned before, Steve, and that's actually two more small things. One is why we see the greater use of pre and probiotics. And I'm including also fermented food, which is great for gut health, which Steve can get into. But we're seeing an increase in those things because our gut health has got, it's got so poor. And again, that's because we don't always understand that even what we think can be good food can be poor. And I'll give a great example, Steve. I use this. I make my own ice cream. And the ingredients are, if the, if the chemicals aren't in the ingredients, I'm, I'm not adding chemicals to it. So as an example, I used this the other day, Steve. There's a local company that does very nice ice cream called Sub-Zero, and they produce sorbets. And sorbet is a water ice. So essentially, it should be mashed up ice and some kind of flavor. And yet, when you, <laughs> I've had their product. The ice cream is great, but the sorbets are disgusting. And what makes them disgusting is they have to have a bunch of preservatives and additives and God knows what else, just so they don't turn into slosh when they're in transit, that they can sit in freezers and shops and supermarkets for months. And when you look at the ingredients, it should be really, as I said, two ingredients. It should be flavoring and water, maybe a little bit of sugar. That should be it. But it's 14 or 15 ingredients. And it tastes chemical. It's, it's horrendous. And this is the thing you'll, you won't even notice, guys. But when you start to home cook certain kinds of thing, and we're going to do a podcast in a, in a not too distant future, you will notice the difference between stuff that you've made yourself, whether that even, for example, pickling and preserving and fermenting things like I've just talked about, you will notice the difference. And you will notice a difference in taste and quality. You'll notice a difference in your health. And, and as for us, because that's what we're about, you'll notice a difference in performance. And I, I will say this hand on heart. I think every single athlete that's made that change 
that wasn't doing it that way before. That what they wasn't even going if it fits your macros, but they just weren't doing things optimally. And if it fits your macros, it's not optimal. Those that have changed have seen responses. They've seen results, and it's always been positive. I can't think of a single athlete that's made that kind of change, Steve, and said uh, my my performance afters were worse. Not a single one. Even if their performances stayed the same, they felt better and they recovered quicker. But I can't. I I think the best that I can recall. Every single one that was still able to go out and kick ass, kicked ass more, felt better on it, had a better response. And while they were still at the top of the game, was able to perform. And like we said earlier on, I can think of, Steve's mentioned names with us before on this podcast, high-end athletes in, for example, American football that had a far longer career, not just because of their genetics, but because their diet was on point. Everything was on point. Everything was organic. It costs more money. We get that, guys. But you're supposed to be looking for the best possible result you can get. If you want that to be the size of a house, if you want that 20-inch arm, if you want that 400-pound bench press, if you want to be a faster sprinter, a better long-distance runner, you're not going to get that eating fries and dips and chips and chocolate. It's going to come from an optimal on-point diet. Back to you, Steve. Listen, there's there's other issues here. It, it's really hard for people. It's really hard for people to to eat better. Uh, chocolate, you brought up chocolate, and we we're talking about it on the pre-show. The chocolate out there, we read studies, all these studies that say chocolate's good for you, chocolate's good for you, and you know what it is. But the thing is, the chocolate that you think that you're eating isn't real chocolate. How much chocolate? One time my dog, actually, this was years ago, he broke into my pantry. This was back when I was eating really, really crappy, okay, in my early 20s. I had a dog. He broke into my cabinet, and he grabbed all the Oreo cookies, the chocolate Oreo cookies, and he ate, like, half of them. So I called up the vet, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my dog, my dog ate all this chocolate, blah, blah, blah. He's like, what did he eat? And like, I'm like, Oreos. And the vet said, oh, don't worry about it. And I'm like, what do you mean don't worry about it? He ate chocolate. Dogs aren't supposed to have chocolate. And they're like, oh, Oreos don't even have real chocolate in them, so don't even worry about it. So my dog kind of just like laid down for, for an hour. He had like a little tummy ache and then he was fine. But the thing is the like those cookies and stuff that you buy and the candy bars, they don't even contain any real chocolate. Actual chocolate is bitter. If you have – I've had actual chocolate when I've been in the Caribbean. I've gone to uh, – out in, into the middle of the – in middle of nowhere, and I was able to actually experience real chocolate and taste real chocolate, and it tastes – bitter and yes real chocolate comes from a plant from nature and it has a lot of health benefits but the chocolate that you're eating is not real same thing with a burger i brought up burgers earlier you can make a healthy burger like mobster said you can make your own healthy burger at home get a lettuce wrap it with lettuce cook the burger properly don't use any refined oils on the burger grill it you know lightly grill it so that it's not charred and there's nothing wrong with that Add a tomato, add lettuce to it, beautiful, nothing wrong with it. But when you go to the, the, the fast food joint, you grab a burger that's been drenched in refined oils. It's been overly cooked it's or undercooked, and it's made of crap. It's crappy. It's a crappy uh, burger, crappy beef. The white bread that, that's on it, really, really bad for you. The, all the condiments that Momster mentioned are drenched in condiments, and you eat it. I mean – Listen, at the end of the day, if you're a person, you're like, I got to have a burger. I got to have pizza. Listen, I'm telling you, as someone who in their early 20s ate shit like that, 
Okay. And I went, wait, I went one day. I said, you know what? I'm done with this stuff. I don't even like it. It doesn't even taste good, but you're so addicted to that food that you feel the urge to have it. That's what they want to happen to you. They want you to be addicted to it. They want you to eat that crappy food. They are going to get you hooked on it. But once you stop consuming it, you'll never want it again. Like if someone brings a fast food, something, you know, that's made in a fast food joint over to my place, it makes me ill the smell and they're putting that crap in their body because they're so addicted to that food. You don't, when it comes to food, you put something in your mouth, you get a little dopamine rush. Once you start enjoying these healthy foods, I love vegetables. I love fruits. I love having a grilled chicken or a grilled steak. I love eating healthy. I'm addicted to eating healthy. I love that food. Once you start eating healthy, you won't ever go back to eating crappy food because it doesn't taste good to you anymore and it just makes you ill. Just the smell will make you ill. So if you're a type of person, you're listening to this and you've been following IFYM and you're, you know, you're, you love this, that, that junky food, just trust me on this. Just stop consuming it completely. And you can't just eat it in moderation. Like you can't only eat it. Oh, I'm just going to eat it once or twice a week, Steve. I'll be okay. No, because you're never going to break that addiction. It's like a heroin addict saying, you know what? I'm just going to have a hit once a week. I'll be fine. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to completely quit consuming that crappy food and you have to transition your, your nutrition to eating healthy. And then you'll love eating healthy. You'll love the way you feel. You'll love the energy you have, the sleep, your sleep quality will improve 1000%. Your, your workouts will improve your benefits, your, um, your results with your workouts are going to improve substantially by eating healthy. You'll stay younger, longer. It's anti-aging by doing that. So very, very important. Every time you eat something, mobster, every single time, your DNA gets altered. So if you eat junky food, guess what's happening? Your DNA is getting altered in the wrong direction. You have to be careful what you put in your body. You have to eat clean. Okay? So, Mobster, final thoughts and take us to the disclaimer. I think it was a good show. Hopefully it helps people. Let me do a very quick example, Steve. Uh, bear in mind, I said earlier on, guys, I used to make sausages for a factory. Uh, we produce product for a supermarket. Made homemade sausages here in my house where you ground up the meat yourself. You've got it to a quality butcher and ground up the meat. And the ingredients would be seasoning of some description, a little salt, uh, some kind of flavor, for example, uh, if it's beef, beef, obviously pork, if it's pork and so on and so forth. And you keep it kind of simple. You might throw some herbs in there and you might throw an egg in. If you make a burger, it's an egg in there for sausages. What did we do at the factory? It would be pork again, but a lot more fat. We would use something called farina, which is powdered potato starch. And we would buy, uh, I think it was some sort of uh, dried biscuit type material from, from the, the European food mountain back in the day. And this was just used to, to sort of pad out the sausage and soak up water and, and, and bind it together. And we were using synthetic skins. I've made I've made stuff here with Westerns to get synthetic and, and the real uh, gut. So the difference between those, and I even buy a award-winning sausages from a butcher, which is 30-something miles away. We go over there every few months, and I've come back with 10, 15, 20 pounds of sausages. Steve. The difference is enormous, and the sausage that's being made for the supermarket is being made to a price. In fact, companies in this country, and I think you've probably got this in the US, Steve, now have to say that you should only have 
this food in moderation, but they know that you're not because it's too easy, it's too cheap, and they, they know that you're going to eat more than you're supposed to. They know that you're going to have more than a number of portions it says it, it, on the label and so on and so forth. They know that. And they would be out of business if they wasn't selling enough and the product would cost a lot more if it was a, a more premium product. It's as simple as that, guys. And like I've said, the analogy here has to be, and it's to do with calories in, calories out, quality in, quality out. If you want a quality response, a quality result from your cycles, from your training, from your nutrition, if the majority of our listeners are bodybuilders who want to look good in the gym, then you need to put quality in. It's as simple as that. I'll be blunt, Steve, to sum up in one in one phrase, if it fits your macros, does not work, guys. It's as simple as that. The rest of the podcast is us explaining why. Please note, we are not doctors and opinions are ours. It is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, our podcast are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.